I'd kind of like this morning to be part scripture study, part testimony. I'd like to speak from my experience, some of the things that God has spoken to me that matter to me, that have influenced who I am, shaped who I am, potter in the clay kind of stuff, because I think that they're common to all of us. I'm not unique in any way. I'm not a different sort of person. I'm just some, like, guy. I'm some almost 43-year-old white guy that grew up in the suburbs in Massachusetts. And when I grew up, I thought I was, like, the, the lowest of the low because I grew up in a very wealthy town and didn't have all the things my friends did. Now, the older I get, I realize I was rich beyond what I could have possibly imagined especially in comparison to where the, the way most of the world lived. Lived a very comfortable life, very sheltered life. Parents that loved me. Started in this place of faith, growing from faith, not needing to be transplanted from one world to another. Grew into that, accepted that at a young age. Um, but it's not a unique story. I'm just a person who along the way has seen God show up. And I've seen it in other people's lives because I've been able to be blessed to be a part of a church family. And so I've observed others and miracles that have happened in their lives and thought, wow, that's amazing. And then I've had these moments along my own journey where I'm like, wow, thank you, God. That's amazing. It couldn't have ever happened that way if it wasn't for you. And I was raised being taught that this Bible is true, but I've never found it not to be true. So at some point along the way, there was the handoff there from my parents' faith to my faith to say, is it really true? I've yet to be able to find something that hasn't been profound wisdom, absolute truth, showing me more about myself than I ever knew, more about the world than I ever could have known. Every bit of wisdom that I've ever given to anybody is only because I studied this and learned this from there. So I'm not an especially wise person. I'm just trying to absorb. I'm not the smartest or the fastest or the best or the wise. I'm just like a guy. I'm a guy who's seen Scripture prove itself true. I'm a guy that's seen prayers be answered miraculously. I'm a guy that's seen my heart change. I don't know how many of you know my story or my testimony, but from my growing up youth through much of high school and off into college, pornography was a huge problem for me, as it is with so many people. And I looked at that time in my life and said, all right, God, well, this is just a cross to bear. Then you just struggle with the things that tempt you. But do you know that there's a moment in my life I can even tell you the name of the professor that opened up to me the book of Romans and looked at the difference between the flesh and the spirit? looked at Romans 8 and said, those who have been set free now will have no condemnation. You're not owned by the flesh, you're owned by God. And just in that reading, it felt like, oh, same thing I'd always heard. But somehow in that moment, those prayers were answered. And I can look back on that and say that was a milestone in my life where something that like hurt my heart and bothered me and hounded my footsteps for years and years and years, it just doesn't anymore because of the grace of God. See, all these things are grace statements. I didn't get to pick my family. That's by the grace of God. I didn't get to pick the town that I was born in, the privilege, the education that I was given. That's just the grace of God. I didn't pick what the Bible says to do. I just was grown up in it and, and started adopting as my own and saw it work. 
That's the grace of God. I've seen things work out. My, my wife that I have here, see how God brought our paths together. Testimony to his faithfulness. I couldn't have coordinated things that way. It's the grace of God. Feeling what it feels like to feel like, oh, I'm just stuck in myself and I can't get free. And the other side of that, freedom, it feels so good to just know that God loves me and he forgives me and he sets me free. That's the grace of God. All those years where I was just afraid or all those years where I was just ashamed to not feel that and then to feel that. I would have loved at any moment in that time to stop feeling that through my own will. Like, okay, I'm done with that. I'm done being tempted. I'm done feeling ashamed. It doesn't work that way. It's the grace of God. This book is the grace of God, that the things he would have done over time would have been written down so we could observe those people and say, I want that kind of a God. I want a kind of God that comes down to earth and gets his feet dirty and his hands dirty. I want the kind of God that raises people from the dead. I want the kind of God that knows everything and we can come to him and he'll show us what he needs us to know. So it's, it has to come back to this place of humility. It's not about what we know. It's not about what we can do. It's not about who we are. It's not about what we can accomplish. It's not about us. It's about him. But he's good, and he's true, and he's powerful. And so the more and more we submit ourselves to him and kneel at his feet and just say, I'm just going to believe everything. I'm going to believe it all. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. I'm just going to believe I'm going to pray. I'm going to dedicate my life to pursuing you because who wouldn't want to see a bush on fire and hear a voice come out of it and say, go and set an entire nation of slaves free? God still wants to do that. We've got plenty of people in slavery right now in our world, right around us, all kinds of slavery. Slavery to addictions. Slavery to unfair legal systems and opportunities, if you want to look at it from a cultural or socioeconomic thing. Slavery to their sin, to their fear. Actual, literal slavery. The whole sexual slavery trade. That's, there's plenty of it out there. Wouldn't we want to be the kind of people that as we're walking around, we see the burning bush and say, I want that. I want to be in the right place at the right time. I want to be there to be used by God. And the thing that I've learned and why I wanted to start with Ephesians, we're only going to read three different scriptures, but these are ones that have just spoken to me, and I want to speak them to you. I want you to hear me. I want you to absorb these. I want you to take them and run with them. It's a baton. It's, it's just what I know to be true, what I've seen to be true. The fact that I'm nothing special, the fact that I'm just some guy that grew up someplace and God is used... I can be useful in this world. I can be useful in this world by the grace of God. I can have purpose in this world by the grace of God. I can be used in powerful ways, but just by the grace of God. But that potential is there for me, and it's there for you. Because... God's actually prepared us for the things he wants us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. So this book, which I have seen to be true, which I believe, which I base my life off of, learning to follow Jesus through what he's taught and then experiencing him alive in my life. Ephesians 2.10 says, let's go back to 2.8. It is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Right? Verse 1 of chapter 2 says, When you were dead in your trespasses and the sins in which you once walked, 
following the course of this world. You know, verse 3, among whom we all once lived. We all start off in a sinful world. We've got to grow from that point. We have to encounter God. We have to be brought into his kingdom, not just born into the earth here. So we're all there carrying out the desires of our body and mind. We're all worthy of wrath. Verse 4, but God being rich in mercy, being rich in mercy, the mercy of God, because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were still sinning, he made us alive with Jesus through that communion table symbolism right there. So it's by grace we've been saved. Okay, so verse 8, it is by God's grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. But but somehow he makes us worthy of it. He can use us in this world. How? Because we've been saved through our faith. It's not what we do. This is a gift of God. You are not a Christian because you choose God. You're a Christian because you give in to God who's pursuing you. You say, okay, God, I'm going to stop fighting. He's fighting for everybody, and some just put up the stiff arm. No, thank you. No, thank you. No way. Those of us who are saved just said, please. (laughs) Yes, okay. That's how you're saved. Submission. It's not choice. It's God's grace. We've been saved. It's not our own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. No one gets to boast. For we are his workmanship. He's crafted us, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So it means he's designed each one of us specifically for purpose. You have a reason for living. You have a reason to be on earth. You can be of use to the world. Not just hoping that God saves us out of the world not just hoping that he protects us from the world. God isn't like shooting low. I hope you sin less before you die. He's like, but I made you, and you have potential. Do you remember that quote that we read a long time ago about Jesus? It's from one, it's a biblical scholar. I could, maybe I'll post it on the church Facebook page or something just to get it out there again this week. But it said Jesus loved the people, all the people, the sinners, the prostitutes, just loved everyone with the warmth of God's own expectation of what they might become, of what they might become. Do we love the world that way? Do we love the people around us with the warmth of God's expectation of what they might become? Because they're all God's workmanship, from the homeless person to the foster kid, if you want to name the mission fields we've been on this year, made in God's image. Maybe submitting to him, maybe giving him the stiff arm, but God's image bearers, tarnished, like all of us. By God's grace, there's purpose for them. We don't even search as a culture for purpose anymore. We just search for, like, entertainment. I'm not even hoping that my life is going to matter. I just hope that I can enjoy it before I die. How short... Are we selling ourselves? How much are we settling? We're not even aiming for purpose. We're just aiming for numbness, aiming for entertainment. You're never going to get purpose if you shoot that low. But if we recognize God has purpose for us, then it doesn't matter if you're a nobody from nowhere who can't do nothing. God loves nobodies from nowhere and does amazing things. He's actually prepared them perfectly for that. Mother Teresa is a nobody from nowhere. 
Apostle Paul is a nobody from nowhere. C.S. Lewis, name any giant in the faith. Augustine, they're, giant, they're nobodies from nowhere. Peter, the rock of the church, a nobody from nowhere, a fisherman from a backwater village. But we saw what they were like with God, what God was like with them. And they recognized, you know, I'm here. According to God's good pleasure, it's by his grace. And by his grace, he's prepared us for what we should do. So my experience has been learning along the way who I am, how God's made me, and who he is, and who I am in him. And that leads us to the next scripture that I need to give to you. I need you to read with me. It's in Matthew chapter 13. And it's right in the parable of the sower and the seed. So it's a very familiar parable, but it's a statement that Jesus makes to the people listening. And that's what I want us to think about. When we talk about workmanship, like, I'd love to give my life to the Lord just in full-time service and be a missionary to Africa or be a pastor or full-time in a Christian ministry somewhere. So we've given ourselves three categories of what it looks like to serve the Lord. And anyone who's not a teacher or maybe a linguist who can translate languages need not apply. And yet when I see descriptions of the body of Christ, I see people like Lydia, who is a cloth merchant, being used the spiritual gift of sewing. And I look back at 2018 and now 19, and I see the spiritual gifts of shoveling and hammering. And I see children and teens and adults, seniors, just giving what they have to give and it mattering. And I think I want to be used by God in a way that matters. I want to be of use to him and to his kingdom. God, will you use me by you? So I want that for us. But if we stay in these walls, what happens here on a typical Sunday morning? There's some teaching. So if you're a teacher, you, like I, could be raised up in this place to use those teaching gifts. Perhaps if you sing or play an instrument, you could be raised up. This is a good form for raising and encouraging those gifts. Or maybe teaching downstairs with our kids. A gift of service, preparing things like communion faithfully every week, cleaning the building, all these Hidden tasks which people serve so faithfully. You can learn that here. But that might be all that we can learn here. Because we're not typically going to be building and construct, doing construction for Christ here on a Sunday morning. Habitat for humanity, serve home, mission trips, that's construction for Christ. Using different gifts at different times. And that's why we're hoping that as we try to pull ourselves away from just a centralized what is church into church being us with our people on mission. We'll have more and more opportunities. But this is what Jesus said. There's a danger that it's going to be happening all around us and we're going to miss it. There's a danger that we're going to read the Bible and it's just not going to make any sense. There's a risk that we're going to look at ourselves and instead of seeing ourselves clearly, we're going to see who we think we are or we're going to see who we want to be or we're going to see who our parents told us we were for better or for worse. Instead of seeing ourselves for who we are, what are you made to be? Who am I built to be? That's got to get past the parent that said, you're never going to amount to anything because that's not what God built you to be. And that's got to get past our own limitations. I could never. That's not what God says. And so what it comes down to is us being able to see and hear what God is saying to us. 
So in the middle of this parable, we're in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. He just told them about the sower and the seed, different kind of soils. And then the disciples come and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Jesus, why don't you communicate more clearly? You're making it muddled. They don't know what you mean. You just said some stuff about a farmer and seed, and then you walked away. Like, why do you do that to the crowds? So he answered them, to you, the called, the people of God, his followers, his disciples, to you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not been given. Not that God doesn't want it for them, he's not pursuing them, but it hasn't yet been given. For to the one who has, more will be given. He will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. Hearing, they don't hear. Nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy from Isaiah is fulfilled. It says, you will indeed hear but never understand. You will indeed see but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown. Focus on that word, please. Grown dull. That means it's like a work in progress. Growing dull. Losing the ability to hear. Losing the ability to see. Losing the ability to understand. Clouding out. Crowding out. Drowning out the ability to see or hear. For this people's heart, verse 15, has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. Their eyes, they have closed. Otherwise, they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart, and they would turn, and I would heal them like that. But you're blessed. You know how blessed you are? How much of God's grace you received? Blessed are your eyes, because your eyes can see it, and your ears, for they do hear. Truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see. They did not see it and to hear what you hear, but they did not hear it. So then let me explain to you what you need to know. And he just goes on and he teaches. Whether we see what God's doing in our life or not, he is still doing it. The difference is going to be whether we talk less, <laughs> listen more, and look more. Whether we ask God, give me eyes to see what's happening all around me. God is at work in your life. He's at work around you and towards you and in you and for you. And if we don't see that, then it's up to us to pray, God, please open my eyes. Let me hear it. Let me not miss it. Let me not miss what you're saying. Remember all the letters to the churches in Revelation? Um, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. What will God say to you today? Got to listen. Have to have eyes that are open. You need to ask for that. Spirit, speak to me. Reveal to me by your grace, not by our demand. Reveal to us what we're going to do. These missional communities, as they're starting out, if it's God has made us for great works, great, so let's go and do stuff. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Let's drive this ship. That's like Titanic talk right there. That's about where that's going to go. 
But if it's Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to the people that are around me that I never even saw before. When I talk to that person who I know, help me to know what to say. Help me to see into their heart. Don't let me be callous. Don't let me grow deaf. Don't let me grow blind. Give me your eyes. And so Jesus saw all this, sees all this, and he opens our eyes. And if your eyes have been opened a little, there's a promise here that he'll keep opening them more and more to him who has been given more will be given. But there's no way to fake this until you make it. He said to those that are like scrabbling after it, they're hoping for a little bit, they're doing it. If you don't have it, you can't manufacture it on your own. So even a little bit that they think they have over time will just fade away. The spiritually interested who are never saved. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I get that, I get that. I don't really get that. I don't really, yeah, whatever. That's the progression. Or, God, I see it. I got a taste of it. I want more. And I see more, and I got more. And we pursue. So there is no such thing in my mind for me, again, speaking from my experience, of knowing what it means to be made in God's image, knowing what it means to be his workmanship, if I can't hear what he's trying to say, if I don't have eyes to see it. And there are a lot of things we think about ourselves that are wrong and that hold us back. Some of us think we're really patient people. Ask your best friends. Ask your spouse. Tell them to be honest. Tell them, say this to start. With no fear of retaliation, I would like to ask you to answer this question honestly, and I promise not to get mad. Say that first, and then ask them if you're a patient person. Ask them if you're a selfish person. Ask them if they see you embodying the life of Christ in your world. Ask them if you're a good listener. Ask them if they see wisdom in you, right? The things that God gives, just ask them what they see. We may need eyes to see things that we can't already. Maybe the body of Christ will illuminate that. Maybe through prayer we'll just recognize something about ourselves. And so I think our eyes get opened to how God has made us. You know, the same person with a tenacious personality is either someone who will pursue the lost sheep to the ends of the earth in love and save them, or the bulldozer that will smash over everyone in their path wherever they are going. Same personality. So which is it going to be? Well, the one with eyes to see will say, Spirit, use me as this tenacious person to pursue the right things for your kingdom. That's how you've made me, but i got to see where you want it, when you want it, how you want it. But I know I'm of use in this world to build your kingdom. The quietest, shyest person can either think they have nothing to say to the world and therefore never share those pearls of wisdom that they're holding, never share their home, never share a meal, and therefore shut themselves down to the blessing they could be, or in their own quiet way, they could be Mother Teresa and just quietly love the people around them and change the world because of it. It's not about personality. It's not about which gifts. We're all different. It's about, God, give me eyes to see what could I be in your service? What if the things you've made for me were just used for you? I hope as we sit around the tables this fall, we ask each other those questions. How could how we're made be used by God to love people and love God? That's... That's the right question to ask.
So that brings us to our last scripture. I'll read it. Music team, if you can come up, we'll close with this. This, again, is a very familiar one, but this is one of my favorite ones, and it ties in. If what we want is to be God's workmanship, and if what it's going to take is for us to really see who we are, what kind of workmanship, we may want to be a paintbrush, but we're really a hammer. we got to know who God has made us to be. We're not designing ourselves. We're discovering our design, and then just joyfully operating in the way God has built us to be in the world for his glory and by his grace. So if that's what we want and that's how we're going to get there, this is where we start. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beg you, I beg every person in this room, brothers and sisters, young and old, friends and strangers, because of the mercies of God, because he's gracious, because this could actually happen for you, I beg you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Just be like, God, use me. What do you want from me in this world? What's my purpose? Because God's merciful. That's a real option for each of us. So just give, give as a living sacrifice. Holy, set yourself apart, come out of the world, live acceptable to God because this is spiritual or reasonable worship. When you pray that prayer, you're worshiping. Your body is an instrument of worship, to worship God with how you're made. Those who are intellectually gifted, to use that for his glory. Remember the chariots of fire story? Eric Little was a runner. When he said when he ran, he felt God's pleasure. It could be running. It could be teaching. It could be caring. It could be cooking. It's just to be who we've made to be is powerful. It's worship. So... Don't let the world tell you who you are. And that includes yourself. Don't let yourself tell you who you are. That's not who defines you. God defined you when he designed you. He made you. And so the definitions are already there. Do not conform. Don't let the world tell you who you are. But be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Pray. Dig into the word. Ask God, beg him, speak to me. Because as we're transformed in the way we think, then our lives will be different. Do not be conformed like everybody else, just living for the moment. Be transformed by the renewal of your minds. And then guess what happens? That by testing, you will be able to discern the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And that's what we all want. I just want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to know what I'm supposed to say. I want to know where I'm supposed to go. I want to know how to resolve this problem. I want to know how to help this person. I want to know how to overcome my addictions. I want to know how to get out of my depression. We just want to know, God, what's your will? Just tell me. That's going to come from us becoming new people, transformed. And that comes by not letting the world teach us our identity and by not settling for who we've been so far. We grow in the Lord. It's letting God speak to us, who he's made us to be, and saying, open my eyes so I could see myself clearly, so I could be of most use, to give you the most glory in whatever random and obscure way you want, and then I'll die happy. I will not have lived a meaningless life. I will not have lived the life my parents wished for me to live and steered me into the career that they wanted. I will not live the life that my fears limit me by. I will not live the life that I just see modeled by whatever celebrity or athlete or politician or whomever we happen to admire and be uniquely in this world 
workmanship by God. That's what I want for myself. I want to discover who God has made me to be and then be that. But I don't want you to be like me. I want you to just ask the same questions of him. And I want to see it. I want to like rejoice. Be like, that's amazing what God did in you. I could never have done that. I could never have thought that. How did you even come up with that? That's perfect. Look how God, you know, his will. Because you think like him. You have the mind of Christ. Because you gave him your life. And he said, show me who I am. And he says, you're my workmanship. That's the goal. That's what we're dreaming for, praying for. That's what I hope will be percolating in our little groups and our collections and conversations this year. Discovering who God has made us to be and then just running after it. I pray that you will pray for that with me. Let me close in prayer and then we'll close with a song. Father God, Thank you for showing me my weaknesses, and thank you for showing me things that you call strengths, names that you've given me. Thank you for freeing me from names that I've bound myself to or incorrectly believed. Help me to be no more or no less than what you want me to be. Help me to be satisfied. Help me not to have ambition, but help me to have hope. Help me not to have pride, but help me to have purpose. And may you speak to each one of us what that looks like in our own lives. May my testimony not be just me. And may each one of our testimonies not be mine. I pray through the power of your spirit that you would uniquely light a fire in each one to be who you've made them to be. And that your kingdom would come because of it. (coughs) I thank you in advance for how you will answer this prayer the amazing answers that will come to these prayers. We thank you in advance. Can't wait to see what you will do, Father, by your grace and your strength alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.